The countdown is on to fight time. This is Big Fight Weekend. Now, here is your host, TJ Reeves. Yes, here we go with a weekend that has some intriguing action in the ring, not just in the U.S., but also in Saudi Arabia and elsewhere. We're here to break it all down. On the Big Fight Weekend Preview, I am merely the somewhat capable host. He is our insider, Fight Freaks Unite Substack, BigFightWeekend.com. Hello again, Dan Rayfield. Uh, he does not yet have his Jake Paul, Tommy Fury, pom-poms, and poster. No, I don't think he's going to have either one of those by the time Sunday comes around. Although you might get some memorabilia after the fact. Are they making pom-poms or did I just create something? I have no idea. Anyway, I, how are I, you? Have, a, I have a lot of boxing memorabilia. I, there's not a single pom-pom. <laughs> now I have I have a I have a cool foam finger from Kovalev Ward. Okay, that kind of uh, counts as something you know an yeah. accessory. But no, I, I and, and and if they made a poster from Jake Paul and Tommy here, I'll probably end up getting one. But what what about the little megaphones? Not the big megaphones like the 1950s cheerleaders in football that they used to have in the black and white. But what about the little megaphones? Do they ever have any of those as memorabilia at any fights? Not no? that I can recall. No. All right, all right. So we don't have those. Uh, look at this. The show's oh, like have, two minutes. I have, old. Uh, what they called thunder sticks, which yes. were like these blue blow up you balloons, bang them together, and you bat them together. That were called on the thing called thunder sticks that they gave away, or so I remember if they gave them away, or they sold them, whatever. But it was from one of uh, one of Arturo Gatti's later fights in Atlantic City because obviously he's thunder, so he's they had thunder Gatti, the late thunder Gatti. Exactly. I love how we're only like three minutes in, and the show has already devolved into us talking memorabilia or whatever. But I like that about you. This is all good stuff. We got title you brought it fight. up, dude. I did. We got title fight in Minnesota. We got Jake Paul, Tommy Fury. We even have Floyd Mayweather back. We've got nostalgia and much more. Thank you for finding us. Social media link: Dan Substack, BigFightWeekend.com, and let's dive right in. Vacant IBF Junior Welterweight title will be on the line. Subriel Matias, Jeremiah. Ponce in action in Minnesota and Dan Rayfield you've been watching the news I've been watching the news they've got a mess uh, midweek and late in the week with uh, thunder sleet and freezing rain locking down the great white north the upper midwest of the U.S. they had to cancel the Thursday press conference as we release this podcast for the fight one of the fighters on the undercard is having trouble getting to Minnesota and was still not there as of Thursday midday trying to get to Minnesota. It's a mess. Nonetheless, the other fighters we're told are there. They've got the weigh-in scheduled for Friday as we release the podcast. Tell me more about the Showtime card. And this looks like a pretty entertaining vacant world title fight, sir. Oh, no question about it. Uh, you know, listen, the temperature is terrible. But the folks in Minnesota who always turn out to the armory in Minneapolis for these events, I'm sure this is nothing new to them. They'll be there to support uh, mainly because it's a good card, a good main event. They've got some of their local guys on the show, including in the co-feature, the welterweight contender, Jamal James, who always brings a good crowd out to the armory. So from that standpoint, it'll be good. But you're right. There was a lot of people that I talked to who are supposed to travel, who are having trouble, or a couple of people I know that decided not to go. And, uh, you know, it's a real mess. And that's what happens when you do an event in Minneapolis in February. What do you expect? <laughs> I mean, it's supposed to be a greater. I'd actually like to go there sometime to do an event there because everybody that I know that has traveled there, um, it's a it's a perfect venue for, uh, you know, not a mega fight, but for these types of shows. Uh, great, knowledgeable, excited crowd. Uh, a nice place to be, you know, and all that. And they've had a lot of good shows in the last few years there. Uh, as far as Saturday's show, listen, the main event, and I don't want to sound redundant because it almost gets old, but I have said to you and others over the last few weeks, as we've spoken about a variety of different main events, uh, 
better be having yard and, and, and Serrano and Cruz and, and other fights that turn out to be tremendous battles. Obviously we had the, you know, the, the really good fight, uh, you know, between Liam Wilson and Navarrete, which I don't think most people expected that, but there are some that you see on paper as we discussed um, where you kind of know going in, you're probably going to see an excellent fight. And it has happened. We thought that would be the case with Lee Wood against Mauricio Lara last week. What happened? It turned out to be an absolutely terrific fight. The suspicion was that when Luis Neary got in the ring with uh, Azet Hovanissian, they would produce a very good fight. It turned out to be, you know, at least early on, a legit fight of the year type fight. So, and maybe I'll be wrong here, but I I, I believe that the main event on Showtime between uh, Matias and Ponce, between two aggressive fighters who are both good punchers, uh, who may not be the most well-known guys out there, but they're fighting for high stakes, for big-time things for their careers, which is a world championship, uh, to look into preserve their undefeated records. I suspect this is going to be another, you know, kind of rock em, sock em fight for however long it lasts. Uh, very good fight. Uh, Josh Taylor was the undisputed champion at 140 pounds. He's still the WBO champion, but he ended up either vacating or, or um, being stripped of his various other three titles because he ended up not doing mandatory defenses. He was supposed to be uh, in a mandatory position to fight Matias. He felt like, and his team felt like, the better option was to go towards the Catterall rematch. You know, for reasons we've outlined and have been well discussed, that fight is not happening at this point, unfortunately. Uh, but it opened up the position for Matias to fight Ponce, who made his bones by going to, he's from Argentina. He went to the UK and he scored a big victory against a fighter named Lewis Ritson, who was highly regarded. Mm -hmm. And he beat him down in his own hometown uh, a couple of fights ago and stopped him in the 10th round. And so now these guys are together. Matias is a tremendous puncher. He's won all of his fights by knockout. He's just got the one loss. Uh, which he would, which he avenged, and uh, you know, if he wins the fight, this is not going to be lost on me or a lot of other people. There are other than Jonathan Gonzalez in the 108 pound weight class, who was born in New York, but is Puerto Rican by nationality, so I guess adopted by the Puerto Rican faithful. He's the only Puerto Rican men's champion in boxing right now. If Sabriel Matias, with his very exciting style, wins this fight, he'd become a much higher profile uh, fighter to to at least for the time being carry the torch of as a Puerto Rican champion. This is why we love you, because you would have gotten some people and we would get some people on that trivia right now that in 2023, that guy's the only champ and Matias would become the second one. Um, now, I say that about the men's because we all know that in women's boxing, correct. obviously, is, uh, is the great Amanda Serrano was the undisputed champ yes. in the featherweight division. But the point is, Puerto Rico hasn't had, uh, you know, a bona fide top level champion for a little bit. Gonzalez is a good fighter, but he's got an important fight coming up in a unification uh, you know, in Japan that will take place later in the year, uh, you know, against Taraji. So, and he's going to be a heavy underdog in that fight. But Matias, he's a, he's a guy that not a lot of people are looking to fight. He's a big time puncher. Uh, you know, he unfortunately got a lot of publicity negatively. So not his fault, but he was involved in a very tragic fight in 2019 um, that took place actually not too far from where I live in the uh, national Harbor casino in, uh, in uh, Oxon Hill, Maryland where his opponent, Maxim Dadashev, who was also an undefeated prospect at that time, they had a very tough fight, and Maxim Dadashev ended up dying because of a brain injury suffered in that bout. And you always wonder, I mean, obviously it was a terrible situation for Dadashev's family, for everybody involved, no question. And, uh, you know, I still think about him on a regular basis. But in terms of Sabriel Matias's career, when that happens to a fighter, you're never quite sure, are they going to be able to deal with that? Are they going to be mm -hmm. able to come back and be what they were beforehand? Or is there always going to be a part of them where they're not going to be able to overcome the emotional toll that, that situation takes now i can't tell you that i know what's going on in matthias's mind but in the post 
situation of what happened with Dadashev. Um, he was on uh, one of the pay-per-view cards in Las Vegas. And, you know, I spoke to him in an interview, wrote about him and others did also. And he spoke about it. He didn't want to get involved too much. He did one sort of media availability where he addressed it. And uh, that was that. But he he seemed to have a good disposition about it. He obviously spoke in the right tone, I felt, as far as like certainly feeling bad about it, but knowing it wasn't his fault in terms of it, that he did anything wrong. And But the point I'm making here is ever since that occurred, he's won like five or six fights in a row. always continues yes. to win. It doesn't appear as though that has had a negative impact on his career. And we may find out a little bit more as he steps up because, frankly, Ponce, in my estimation, is probably the best opponent that he's faced uh, of his career, and certainly since Dadashev, perhaps you could say it was a, a good opponent when he stepped up and he fought the undefeated uh, then prospect, also Malik Hawkins, who he iced in six rounds. Uh, but this is the moment of truth for both of these guys, and I think it's going to be a good fight. And in the case of Matias, he's got all knockouts in his wins, 18 of them in 18 victories with one loss. In Ponce's case, he's got 20 knockouts in 30 wins. So, I mean, we have the potential here for fireworks. Just one more time here in yeah, the main event. Sure. I mean, you know, mainly, I, I base that opinion on, I've seen Matias fight a few different occasions, including in, in person. And he's a very, uh, uh, you know, aggressive puncher. And in the fights, one or two fights, of, I saw the Ponce Ritson fight, and I thought maybe I saw one other fight of Ponce. I'm not as familiar with him, but based on what I have seen, particularly in the Ritson fight, he's going to come and get you. And he's a fearless kind of guy, you know, go find me in Argentine fighter that reaches this level of the sport that's not tough as nails you know that's it's uh, not to be uh cover everybody with the same blanket but that's generally the case if you get to this level from argentina you know you can probably handle yourself and i believe that ponce can handle himself and we'll find out it's uh like i said a good matchup um solid undercard you know uh, jamal james coming back i mean people remember jamal james now he had a secondary wba title in the welterweight division uh i don't really consider him to be like a legitimate former champion but he certainly put on a tremendous fight and, and showed a lot of heart and a lot of grit in his one law and his loss of that title, which came to against uh, uh, Batayev. He's coming back from that fight, which was at the end of 2021. So he hasn't fought since October of 21. Also, that was a Showtime fight when he lost that belt. He got stopped in round nine and showed a tremendous amount of heart in that fight. And we'll see. I mean, welterweight's still a rich division. There's still good names in there. He's looking to try to get himself back in position. Um, you know, his opponent and Alberto Palmetta is an 18-1 and guy, not the most known guy in the world, certainly not as big of a reputation. Uh, he's also from Argentina, so I suspect he's pretty solid. He's got 13 knockouts, and uh, this should be a pretty good fight also. I mean, again, I don't know if I'm going to say it's the fight of the year, but just based on the records, based on that Jamal's in front of his hometown, that he's coming off a layoff, he's going to want to try to get back in the groove. Palmetta's coming over to the United States to try to make, uh, you know, he's fought here before, but back in, a, in his most high-profile type of position. You know, he wants to try to make a name for himself also. I mean, these fights are so important to these guys. And then the other fight that you mentioned where you have Joseph Adornio, who has not been able to quite yet get to Minneapolis. <laughs> Hopefully he can make the trip. But yep. this is a fight between two guys who are considered really superb sort of blue-chip prospects. He's fighting Elvis Rodriguez, mm -hmm. also from Puerto Rico. Uh, and they were considered among the elite prospects in boxing. Um, I take that back. Uh, uh, Rodriguez is a Dominican. Mm -hmm. In any event, Adorno comes from Pennsylvania. Uh, these guys were highly regarded. They both actually were with top ranking. And they stubbed their toes. They maybe didn't look as good as they should have or lost. Uh, in, in the case of Rodriguez, he also had a draw that was a real shocker. He had been trained by Freddie Roach. So I'm not, it's a crossroads fight from the standpoint of 
it's big trouble for the loser and the and the winner can sort of definitely take a big step forward. But I also don't know if it's fair to say two guys in their early 20s, it's a crossroads fight because their careers are still in front of them, even if they do uh, suffer another loss. But it's a good matchup from the point of view where there's going to be desperation from these guys, TJ. And on top of that, uh, they're fighting a, another fighter that makes for good fights. So again, this is not the card that has all the big names or sexy matchups. But if you're a diehard, I got to be honest, this could really be one after the other after the other. A very exciting quality action type fights. And I'm not kissing anybody's ass. It ain't like Showtime's paying me money to say this. I call it like I see it. I think we got a very strong triple header in terms of action, even if it doesn't have any real serious name value. All right. Again, we are taping the podcast on Thursday evening, and I just looked again, and Adorno is supposed to be there tonight. Again, there's a weigh-in tomorrow. Flight situation is a nightmare trying to get to Minnesota, so stay tuned on that. More news, Dan Substack, BigFightWeekend.com, because that's supposed to lead off the triple header. And it would be highly unusual, but it wouldn't be it wouldn't be crazy to show up you're trying to cut weight. I mean, he's, he's in an airport, whatever, show up, try to cut weight, and maybe they give him a little time extension depending to try to make the weight. I don't know. I'm just speculating well, on that, depending on where you can get there. I mean, it's not unprecedented that, that there's times where fights are made and guys don't weigh until the morning of the fight as long as they're willing to do so. Uh, the thing that's interesting about Adorno is that he's had issues with weight at different times in his career, and so we'll see. You make a good point, though. One of the things is guys like to get to the site of the fight you know, shake out, sit in the sauna, do what they got to do, you know, make sure that they're eating mm -hmm. or drinking properly at that time. And when you're traveling, you know, it's hard to, to <laughs> it's do not, that. You're on the move. It's not easy to do that from the D terminal gate 56 on Thursday. Yeah, exactly. Right now, now if you're running late there. for your flight, you can maybe get a little jogging as you <laughs> run down the concourse, but it's not, a, it's not, and not to mention, by the way, and, and I've heard this from fighters on, on a number of occasions. I can remember uh, when Timothy Bradley Jr., had his big unification showdown against Devin Alexander in Pontiac, Michigan. This mm -hmm. is several years ago. That was a very, very big fight on HBO to unify the titles. The fight turned out to not be very good, but these were the one and two guys in the weight class. And for some godforsaken reason, you know, a fighter like Tim Bradley from Palm Springs, California, and Devin Alexander from St. Louis, Don King and uh, Gary Shaw did this fight at the old Pontiac Silverdome, which I don't believe exists anymore. They and tore it down. Aram, You're uh, right. They tore it down. Yeah, they, Bob Aram, the, a competing promoter, called it a decrepit barn. Um, <laughs> in any event, that week in Pontiac, I was there with a many. There was a lot of the media that traveled for that fight. It was like a fucking snowstorm and like two degrees. It was horrible weather. But the point is, a lot of the fighters on that card, when you're in that cold weather, even if you're in the hotel, you know, it's hard to lose the the extra mm -hmm. couple of pounds in the cold weather. That's why guys love when the fights are in a place like a Vegas or, a, you know, a California, Southern California, where it's warm, you know, that's easier to cut the weight. And so he's going now during, you know, to Minneapolis where it's one degree. So it's going to make it a little bit even more tough if you're having a weight issue. Mr. Adonio, are you cold? Why do you have eight layers of clothes on on the plane? <laughs> trying to lose weight. All right, it literally was one degree. By the way, I looked yeah. at the weather. I know it's not. It's and again, it is the it is the thunder, uh, freezing rain, the thunderstorm, ice storm that has been going on in the upper Midwest. We're talking about Minnesota, Wisconsin, uh, all all up in Michigan, all up in the upper Midwest. Hopefully, it lightens up and loosens up. All right, that's the show. Time. I know. All I know is this, TJ. I'm here in Northern Virginia in the suburbs of Washington, D.C., and the high today was 76 degrees. Good for Beautiful. you.
Beautiful day. West Central Florida, 85 degrees today. So we're thinking warm thoughts for all you people that are cold wherever you are, including in other countries. Speaking of other countries, Saudi Arabia, the Middle East. Ray feel it looks like it's going to happen. I don't want to jinx it. It's we're, we're Thursday night releasing the podcast, but Tommy Fury is on site, has participated in the press conference, and all looks good. We got to get to Sunday. All looks good that this eight-round cruiserweight fight, almost two years in the making, is going to happen between Jake Paul, Tommy Fury. I realize Jake Paul, not everybody's cup of tea, but there is clearly buzz about this outside of just hardcore boxing, mainstream boxing, because Jake Paul was on ESPN earlier today hyping the fight because it's an ESPN Plus pay-per-view through top rank uh, in the United States. Uh, That doesn't happen every day with boxers making it on ESPN two or three days before their fight to hype their fight. Doesn't happen all the time. So uh, the press conference happened. Lots of barbs being thrown. One interesting aspect. Okay, it looks like it's going to happen. Paul and Fury. Dan, give me a couple of thoughts. Well, number one, it is going to happen. I'm very confident. Number two, the fact that that Jake would do in in uh, having worked at for 15 years at ESPN, and he did the whole slew of shows and interviews. And this in in the ESPN lingo, it's called the car wash. Yes, you do this show, you do that show, you do that radio show, you do this. Sit down with the uh, editorial guys, you do that show. You just go through the whole slew of stuff. You spend, you know, I give you a detailed schedule and you have somebody that leads you around. In fact, I, I, I participated in some of those car washes over the years myself. So that's what he was doing. And the, I'm not saying he wouldn't have been invited on some of those shows, even if even if uh, ESPN wasn't involved in the pay-per-view. But certainly the fact that ESPN is the uh, is the owner of the broadcast rights in the United States, uh, which is one of the still the biggest markets out there for boxing. Uh, it makes sense that he's doing that. This is available, like you said, it's on ESPN Plus. You can also buy it on your normal uh, pay-per-view providers through your cable or satellite or whatever. Um, but in a, in a weekend where the other show that makes a difference, if you will, which is the Showtime card, may be a better show top to bottom with more action and certainly more significance in terms of titles and in terms of uh, uh, you know legit top guys. As I said when we were discussing that part of the that part that card. Not a lot of sexy matchups, not a lot of name value, even if they're good matchups. This may not necessarily be the most significant fight, but it's certainly got a lot of, you know, bigger names and 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 a lot more hype and, and, and push. And that's because Jake Paul is famous for a lot of different reasons. Tommy Fury is famous because he's the brother of the heavyweight champion who talks a lot of shit. And uh, <laughs> look, the bottom line here is this. People have said to whether they're strongly opposed or for Jake Paul. Let's see him fight a real boxer, quote unquote, mm-hmm. real boxer. So I'm not one to tell you that Tommy Fury is some, you know, superior up and coming fighter. Uh, but he has, in terms of his professional career, primarily, you know, been only a boxer. Uh, I don't know if he's that good because he's fought in nothing but a bunch of nobodies. Uh, lesser names, let's say, than Jake Paul. I would think that Anderson Silva, for example, the opponent that Jake defeated in his most recent fight, would probably beat the opponents that Tommy Fury beat also as limited as Anderson was as a boxer because he was a great athlete in MMA. So the fact that he's now finally going to check a box on his resume that I'm fighting a real boxer, that's cool. I'm glad to see it. He's tried to fight Jake, has tried to fight Tommy Fury. Two previous times Tommy backed out or had issues that didn't allow him to do the fight, whatever you want to call it. He then tried to, as a replacement, fight Haseem Rockman Jr., 
that didn't happen because Rockman found a way out of that fight because he refused to make the weight. So it's not been for a lack of trying. They finally put this fight back together. They got apparently some kind of, you know, uh, pot of gold, uh, I guess, in uh, Saudi Arabia where they're doing this fight in Diria, the same uh, location where Andy Ruiz had his uh, heavyweight title rematch against Anthony Joshua. And uh, we'll see how it goes. Now, they have a championship fight on the undercard with uh, Ilunga Makabu, the WBC's cruiserweight champion, taking on Badu Jack, who's looking to win a title in a third weight class as a former uh, super middleweight and light heavyweight title holder. Both these guys sort of in the twilight of their careers. That, that has a potential to be a solid fight. And then, uh, then some other fights on the show that are not anybody that you, me, or anybody else has really ever heard of. But the main attraction is, can Tommy Fury uh, end Jake Paul's undefeated run and shut his mouth or vice versa? You know, they're both undefeated, and uh, it's a kind of a grudge match at this point. And I'll say this. I'm not too shy to say it. I'm buying the pay-per-view. Right. No one's paying for it. I'm My hand is up. Uh, we will be watching. He moves the needle. And now we're about to find out. We've been asking for this for about a year. Fight somebody with some boxing experience, and we'll pay more attention. I remember saying to you after the Anderson Silva fight, I'm basically done with fighting MMA guys that aren't boxers. Unless you're going to start fighting boxers, this is a novelty. It is a sideshow. So at least it is an attempt at that. One other interesting thing, and we put this up on the Big Fight Weekend website, and I totally get it. I don't know how believable this is. But I could I could see this happening where Jake Paul, if he loses, might make it happen, uh, even though he doesn't believe he's going to lose. He offered Tommy Fury at the press conference in Saudi Arabia, I will double your money if you beat me, but if I beat you, you make nothing, the double or nothing bet. And John Fury said, you're on, you know. Of course, Tommy Fury's not going to fight for free. I get that. Yeah, but it, 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 it was the most interesting part of a largely dull press conference, Rayfield. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. Um, you know, here's the thing about it. When Jake Paul first started this, uh, let's call it a journey into his professional boxing career, you know, I make the joke that I didn't really know who Jake Paul was other than he was famous for being famous. And then I realized that my son, when I mentioned it or something, uh, <laughs> my son was well aware of him, not because he was a boxer, but because he was on a very popular Disney yes. channel show. My son was of the age where, you know, at the, at the time this came up, he was, my son, I think was like seven or eight. And he was watching that show, and I was like, okay. Now, wait a minute. You remember everything boxing without looking, but you don't remember the name of the show, do you? Bizarre Vark. I was going to say that. Bizarre, I know. Okay. All right. Bizarre Vark, because it was always on in my house, too, with yeah. my twins for years on the Disney Channel. And now I knew who he was from that, obviously. And then he started uh, progressing through social media. Now he wants to fight. So this, this is this is more legitimate than what the other stuff has been. And by the way, Jake Paul was candid about that. Even in the press conference, he was he was on a couple of pre-press conference interviews and he was candid. He was like, look, I realize a lot of people can criticize me fighting uh, whoever he fought, the YouTuber that he fought. Uh, then he fought Nate Robinson, the basketball player, and Ben Askren. He said, I, I know early in my career, if people want to criticize that, he goes, but Tyron Woodley's a UFC former world champion. Anderson Silva is one of the great UFC fighters ever. He goes, you can't criticize those. And he goes, now I'm fighting a boxer, which everybody wanted. So that's kind of the next step here. And the so thing, that's by the, the way, uh, As it relates to the Tyron Woodley fights, Woodley was, and Ben Askren, and I'm not, I'm no MMA uh, aficionado or, or expert by any stretch of the imagination, but my understanding was Ben Askren may have been a good MMA fighter, but he was not known as a guy who used his hands. He was more of a grappler and a former grappler. wrestling, former amateur wrestling right. champion, not exactly. a puncher, not a striker. But in the case of in the case of Tyron Woodley, he was known within the confines of MMA as a striker. So he was taking on a guy that was at least competent in punching. And what people forget is that Jake didn't have amateur. He had one amateur fight. That's it. 
So he's getting this is his amateur career in a sense. But because of his popularity and he could sell pay-per-views and put asses in seats, you know, he became the main event. People want to get on his case. Well, he doesn't deserve to be the main event. Well, go fuck yourself. He does deserve to be the main event because he's the one putting asses in seats and selling tickets. That's right. If you can sell in boxing, you can be the main event, period. It has nothing to do with your talent. But here's what I'll say about Jake Paul. And this is why I respect what he's been doing, because. Well, I didn't know this at the beginning, and you never know as you until you see how things progress. It is my opinion, based on my observations, talking to Jake Paul, watching his events, talking to people around him, this guy takes this seriously. He's not just trying to be a freak show. He wants to be a good boxer, and I can credit that. Now, can he get to that point? We'll have to wait and see. Right. But he trains hard. He puts the work in. He comes in shape. And let me tell you one other thing. Uh, you know, the fact that he takes it seriously is he is putting in the work and that's all you can ask for. And I'm going to say one other thing, having watched every single one of his bouts as a professional, I defy anybody to tell me that from the time he turned pro through those early fights, you mentioned through the uh, two Tyron Woodley fights through the Anderson Silva fight. I defy you to tell me that Jake Paul is not improving and that's the key. He's getting better. And the conversation continues here in a moment with Dan. We look forward to everything that's going to happen this weekend, including Jake Paul and Tommy Fury. And our friends at BetUS want you to know that they have got a special offer, a free $50 bet just for signing up. Take advantage of that $50 bet with our promo code Jake. 50. That's just for us at Big Fight Weekend. Go check it out. Put Jake 50 in on the promo code for a free $50 bet. You can wager on the Paul Fury fight or any of the other action with that $50. Some of it, part of it, all of it, whatever you want to do. Utilize it however you want, but take advantage for the Paul Fury fight in Saudi Arabia Sunday of the free offer. A free $50 bet from BetUS awaits you. Our promo code is Jake50. Find out more at BetUS. Dot com. Again, our promo code Jake50 gets you a free $50 bet. And by the way, uh, I was at the sold-out show in Tampa when he knocked out Tyron Woodley with the bomb. It was full, 18,000, like you're talking about. The last fight with Anderson Silva, he's in the United States, had over 15,000 at the Glendale uh, arena, whatever they call that arena now, the Desert Diamond Arena next to next to State Farm Stadium. And and we believe this will be a, a full building, whatever it is, in Saudi Arabia. And the interesting thing, the British media has been writing about this, that Tommy Fury is guaranteed $2 million, Jake Paul is guaranteed $3 million, and they both can make the upwards of 2 or $3 million more depending on the pay-per-view. So there are dollars. And the reason there are dollars is because there are going to be eyeballs to watch this on Sunday. Now, illuminate for the fans here for that fight card. It's in the afternoon because of the time difference with Saudi Arabia. So run it down real quick to wrap it up on that. Sure. So the main card starts at 2 p.m. Eastern time. That's when the pay-per-view begins. As you mentioned, the fight's taking place in Saudi Arabia. So they are many hours ahead. So in Saudi Arabia, uh, yeah, eight hours ahead. In Saudi Arabia, it will be at night. And it actually is conducive for the British audience, which is really where this is geared towards Mm -hmm. from the standpoint of Tommy Fury, because it's on BT Sport pay-per-view over there. The time difference to do a fight in in Saudi Arabia, kind of like when they did the Anthony Joshua fight, it's a three-hour difference. So it's much easier for them to stay up. Or even, frankly, if there are British that want to travel, certainly Mm -hmm. much easier than if it was in the United States. So for us, this is the same as like when we watched the – Better be of Anthony Yard fight, for example. It's going to be late afternoon, early evening for the main event in the United States. 
it'll be uh, a little later, of course, in the UK and even later in Saudi Arabia. But the timing, you know, is what it is. So that that is uh, a good thing. And and I have to tell you, I love that it's on a Sunday. There's no it's and for obvious reasons they are not competing with football. You know, baseball is just getting underway in spring training. There's no the college basketball tournament hasn't started yet. So it's just regular season college hoops that's going on. There's no other, you know, just regular season NBA or NHL. There's no real other sports stuff to 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 uh, to take away Good from point. it. By putting it on a Sunday, uh, you know, they stayed away from Showtime if that would have any impact in the United. Because originally it was going to be on a Saturday, they ended up moving it to the Sunday. I, I don't know the exact reason. Maybe they wanted us they, they stay away from Mayweather has his exhibition in London on Saturday. Uh, there was a Showtime fight. Originally, there was the Broner fight before that was canceled. It just was a it was a little bit of a crowded Saturday for boxing. Sunday now they've got clear selling all to themselves. Uh, obviously, the Saudis were fine with it because they were willing to move the move the you know move the, the date and the time. Um, there's not a lot else going on, and this is what it is. And we'll have a lot of questions that people have asked about Jake Paul and frankly about Tommy Fury are going to get answered because I dare say when you take a look at the kinds of guys that Tommy Fury has fought in his career. While they are boxers, I actually called up his record. So let me give you a little idea of the kind of opponents he's been fighting. So you can knock, if you want, Tyron Woodley and Nate Robinson and right. and, and Ben Askren and the type of guys that, that Jake has fought. When Tommy Fury turned professional in 2018, his opponent was 10 wins, 102 losses, and three draws. <laughs> his next opponent in Tommy's second fight, now keep in mind, Jake has six fights, Tommy's got eight fights. In his second fight, his opponent, a fighter named Callum Ide, was zero wins, 26 defeats, and two losses. His third fight was against an opponent who was two wins and 26 losses. His third fight was against an opponent who was zero wins and 11 losses. His next fight was against an opponent who was zero wins and nine losses. Then, amazingly enough, in 2021, he fought an opponent who was all of 2-0. and oh. His next fight, which was on an undercard of Jake Paul's in Cleveland when he fought Woodley, was 0-1, yep. and last fight when he fought on his brother's undercard in Wembley when Tyson Fury boxed against Dillian White. Amazingly, he fought an opponent who was 10 wins and 1 losses, and he went to six-round distance and won the fight. So I have to be honest. My opinion is that, say what you want about the Anderson Silvas and Tyron Woodleys, they're probably better opponents than the yes. than the, than the nobodies that, that Tommy has faced also. So, yes, it's a real boxer, but a real boxer against – Nobody that's particular. His main his main claim to fame is you got to figure he's probably decent because his brother is the great Tyson Fury. That's where we're at. Yeah, Tyson was there at ringside, and Jake Paul was making mention of that at the Thursday press conference that you have fought eight fights against fighters that have combined to lose over three hundred times. He says, "I'm yeah. not coming to lose." You fought guys that have combined lost three hundred or more times. That's crazy. All right, so that's the that's the show from uh, uh, Queensbury Promotions, Top Rank Promotions, and Jake Paul's MVP Promotions, which I thought it was fascinating. I mean, they're they're being very the way, open just, about this that, that MVP is is fronting a lot of the money, the purse money at least for this fight. But go ahead, final point. I say, this is really not a top rank promotion. They're right. not involved in the promoter. They're strictly involved from the standpoint that broadcast. they acquire the broadcast rights for the United States. So they've got a couple of people there on the ground, but just as it relates to making sure that everything works well. Yeah, because again, Paul was making mention, they're they're fronting the purse. MVP Promotions is essentially fronting Tommy Fury's purse here uh, in this, or at least part of the money uh, for that. Okay, a little fight news, a little nostalgia, and then we got to get out of here. What what do we make of this Connor Ben thing? I know you wrote about it on your sub stack. 
Uh, the first thing I read was from the WBC, which which was a little less lengthy than the tax code, not much, trying to defend Connor Ben and talking about their experts. And the first thing I thought when I read it, and I think most smart box fan, boxing fans were reading it, okay, just because you're doing this doesn't mean that the British Boxing Board of Control has cleared him. So the Listen, WBC went and did this. Pick it up on that. The headlines, and this is not the WBC's fault. All they did was announce what their findings were. I, I actually read it very detailed. They were very straightforward in what they wrote in their announcement. They went through a chapter and verse of the dates and this and what they did here and what they did there. And they followed. I actually spent like way longer than I should have uh, reading through <laughs> the WBC's page by page rules of their clean boxing program. They followed things to a tight. I can't really complain. I don't agree with some of those rules. I don't like the fact that they don't use strict liability, which is the concept of you are responsible for what's your, yes. in your own body. They don't use that, but this is not something that was done specifically to help out Connor Ben. That's just been something that's been in the rules all along. But the point is this. So they put out their statement because they finished their so-called investigation and they're moving on. They decided they will reinstate Connor Ben into their rankings. He would then become eligible if he fights and they ask for it. He could fight theoretically for a regional, perhaps a world title of the WBC. But here's the most important factor. I blame lazy, incompetent, ignorant other members of the media and their editors who simply put in the headlines, Connor Ben cleared of doping offense, which is the biggest pile of bullshit in the history of bullshit because he's not clear. The WBC didn't clear him. They said they didn't find evidence um, that supported him 100%, but there was still a little bit of a gray area. So it kind of was able to put him back in the rankings based on the way their rules go. But more significantly, and this is something that is extremely important, sanctioning organizations don't clear anybody of anything. They don't license anybody to fight. Sanctioning bodies compile rankings and sanction guys to fight for titles, period. And they can do other things outside the ring, be charitable, right. raise awareness. You know, the WBC is awfully charitable with a lot of things. Uh, all of its faults and issues, they are the only sanctioning body that even gives a damn about drug testing to the extent that they put money in to run the clean boxing program, which is dramatically underfunded, but at least they make an effort. So I support them in that cause. But the point is he's not clear because the only ones that can issue a license and clear a boxer to fight is your state, national, tribal commission. In the case of Conor Ben, his home commission is the, is the British Boxing Board of Control. And they came out soon after the WBC's detailed statement about their findings and said, OK, we respect the WBC and what they did is cool, but they never informed us. We've not seen any of their investigation material. We've not heard from the Conor Ben people. We haven't gotten any kind of anything. And we use strict liability and they are stuck under our rules. So theoretically, Conor Ben and Natrum Boxer, whoever could try to go get a license in some other jurisdiction, uh, which I guess is their prerogative. I would hope that some other place would support them. But even if he did get a license to fight somewhere else, you know darn well, whatever money is there is way less than what it would be if he was fighting in the United Kingdom. So he needs to go and deal with his own home commission and before he can go elsewhere, in my opinion. But the bottom line is Conor Ben is not cleared of anything. Connor Ben is going back Period. in the WC rankings, which won't mean shit if he doesn't fight. And importantly, he's got to go appeal to them, and we don't even have a timeline on when that is. And I thought it's also interesting, if I understood it correctly, correct me if I'm wrong, when they tested the B sample, it also has Clomid in it. So there can't be a dispute that, oh, well, the B samples you know, was I, I actually, blah, blah, I'm blah. Not, I'm not quite sure if they did test the B sample yet or not. 
Obviously, if they did, it was the same because therefore he, he took the same. Well, the excuse uh, now is, is it large ingestion of eggs that were tainted? Eggs. We're going with eggs. Exactly. We're, going, we're going with eggs. By the way, I have to say, I, I saw one of the funniest <laughs> things I've ever seen. I saw because the, the internet I is still it. I saw it. Go ahead. I saw They're it. They're calling Eddie Hearn Eggdy. Okay, Eggdy. Egg but did, did you see, did you see whoever put the eggs on the pizza? And I, yes. I I don't know who it was. And and Connor Ben at least had a sense of humor and said, "I've always preferred Pizza Hut instead of them." That was good. Well, it was <laughs> it was a Domino's tweet. Domino's actually. had the eggs on the pizza, and he said, "I've always preferred Pizza Hut." So that was good on the internet too. Uh, eggs. Okay. I mean, it's just it's it's so unfortunate because. There's a lot of people out there that think suddenly Connor Ben is cleared and it's just simply not the case. He's, and we're here to educate you until they license him in Britain. I, I don't know. I mean, he can try or to skirt around for it. that matter. He, he can try to skirt around it somewhere else, but they should uphold it too. Uh, we'll see. All right. Two more quick things. Uh, heavyweights, Andy Ruiz, Philip Hergovich were allegedly going to be in an eliminator fight. The IBF was trying to push a purse bid. That's now not happening. Give me the quick version of that Ruiz doesn't want that fight. And I think we know why. Well, the quick version was uh, the, the IBF broke its rules by ordering an interim title fight because they are the one organization that has stated numerous times over and over that they only order an interim title fight in the case of a champion who was injured. Obviously, Alexander Usyk is the IBF heavyweight champion as well as of the WBA and the WBO. He is not injured. He is negotiating or trying to get a done fight with Tyson Fury. And even if he doesn't get that done, his next mandatory fight is supposed to be against the WBA number one, you know, the WBA mandatory, which is Daniel Dubois. So Philip Hergovich last summer had won an elimination fight against uh, Zhang Zalai from China to make him number uh, to make him the mandatory challenger. And for whatever reason, the IBF decided that they would, uh, because his team requested to have him fight for an interim title, they would allow it because uh, they made an exception, as they said to me in their correspondence, and because it was going to be a long wait for Hergovich to get a title fight because of the fact that Usyk might do the unification with Fury, plus he would then be uh, obligated to do his WBA mandatory. Even if you can live with that, whatever. Then... Again, they broke their rules because in the IBF, even if you have an interim title fight under the rules of it being because of an injury, there's not supposed to be a purse bid. It's supposed to be, we'll, we'll allow this interim fight, but you have to make a deal. There's no purse bid. They don't set out the, the, uh, the, the splits. If you can negotiate the deal, so be it. In this case, they didn't negotiate the deal. So the IBF then broke another rule by ordering a purse bid. And then they made an announcement that on uh, the day before the purse bid, which was supposed to take place on Thursday, they made the split for the purse bid for a vacant title. Instead of 50-50, they decided to make it 60-40 in favor of Philip Hergovich. So I never thought that Andy Ruiz would fight Philip Hergovich on a 50-50 for a fight that doesn't have a high profile, much less come for 40%. Right. No doubt. About it. I mean, he's got he's a much bigger name. He's been a former unified champion. He's got a fan base. He's been tied to a fight possibly with Deontay Wilder with a uh, WBC uh, title shot at stake in that final eliminator. That's a much bigger fight financially, you know, also dangerous the same way Hergovich is a dangerous fight. Anyway, end of the day, the first bid that was scheduled for Thursday, as I suspected, never even took place because the uh, Ruiz camp notified the IBF uh, before the first bid was to happen that they were not going to participate, which I sort of knew and suspected all along anyway. And so all this bullshit and nonsense about we're ordering Hergovich and Ruiz uh, much to do about nothing. And by the way, it's sort of the same thing. The WBO, they ordered a mandatory defense of their champion in the middleweight division, Janibek Alma Canuli, to take on his number one challenger, Liam Smith. Wonderful. They ordered the they order the purse bid or they order the negotiation. 
Well, everybody with a fucking brain knows that fight's not happening either. And why is that? Because who's going to go fight Janabek when you're Liam Smith and you already have a signed contract that you're oblig- obligated to fulfill because Chris Eubank Jr. exercises right yep. to the rematch. And on top of that, even if he didn't and you wanted to go in that direction, let me tell you something. There are literally millions of dollars more in it for Liam Smith to fight a, a rematch against Eubank, a guy he already knocked out in round four, than right. to go take on a much tougher opponent like uh, Alan McAnuley, who's a, a dangerous guy, for much less money. Yes, you have the opportunity to win a world title, but at this stage of Liam Smith's career, I have to believe millions of dollars more sure. is a bigger deal than getting another belt. You got to get paid. I'm all about it, Dan Rayfield. So are you. You got to get paid. Be smart about this stuff. It's business. It's business on this. All right, one more quick nostalgia. Is this, yes, this is correct, third anniversary of what was a great rematch fight, Tyson Fury capturing the WBC heavyweight title from Deontay Wilder three years ago. What's the day? Is it tomorrow? Is it, uh, what? what is the, what's the anniversary, the exact date? And you were ringside, correct? The exact date was on the 22nd, so Wednesday of this week, yesterday. Wednesday was, and you were ringside. I was. I was ringside for all three of their fights. Mm. Uh, but Tyson Fury against Deontay Wilder. Remember, when they had their draw in the first fight, that was Tyson Fury a couple of fights out of uh, his long layoff and having all kinds of problems with his mental health and drugs and alcohol and blowing up and weight and all kinds of issues. He had got a couple of soft wins under his belt. And, uh, and, and Deontay Wilder befriended him and basically gave him the opportunity. They put on a pretty darn good fight. Had a lot of drama. Obviously, Fury got knocked down two times, and and but but Wilder, you know, spent a, uh, getting outboxed by Fury for a long stretch of that fight, and in the end, they called it a split draw or a majority draw, whatever it was. It was a draw, and Fury remained the lineal champion, but obviously Wilder kept the the uh, the WBC title, and there was a lot of clamor for a rematch, and it ultimately it happened, but it was you know like everything in boxing as far as big fights, it was pretty difficult to get there. Both guys ended up taking two interim fights. That was around the same period of time that Fury did his uh, co-promotion deal with top rank and started to come to the United States for his fights. He had a couple of uh, fights uh, here yep. in Las Vegas anyway. And when Wilder defended his title a couple of times, they finally got the rematch done. And let me tell you, TJ, I've been doing this a long time. It's 23 years next month, probably the most awesome promotion I've ever covered in terms of what the, what the, how the fighters handled it. Cause it was two a sides. They did every interview. They did everything they could possibly do. You had a joint deal between ESPN and Fox because Fury was with top rank and ESPN Fury was with uh, PBC. I mean, uh, Wilder's with PBC and with Fox and both networks really got behind it. And it, it always struck me the image of being in the news uh, in the media center, one of the days. And uh, if you're familiar with the MGM in the normal media center, They'll have the big dais where they do like the undercard press conference and such. And they have big TVs on either side of the dais. And on one side of the dais, if you looked on the TV, there was ESPN programming and whatever talk show they had on or sports center, you had the talking heads yapping about the fight, including myself. And on the other side, you had the FS1 or Fox and they were doing their sports coverage on FS1. And you had their shows talking about the fight. And it was just an incredible promotion. It ended up doing, you know, it's the last really big pay-per-view and it did over 800,000. It still didn't do as well as people thought it should have done based on the promotion because of the massive amount of piracy but it was a great great promotion and the shocking thing about it and i know it's only three years so it's not like it's that long ago but the shock of everybody that had been talking to fury in the lead up we all kept asking well how are you going to do this you know what happened the last time and he's like i'm going right at him remember he had switched trainers from dan davison to uh sugar hill stewart 
And Sugar Hill, of course, the nephew of uh, the great Emmanuel Stewart, who always preached offense and, and punching and all that. And Tyson Fury told anybody that would listen, I am going right at this guy. And we're all like, why? You, you mm-hmm. Most people thought you beat him, you outbox him and whatever. Why do you got to change change course? And he's like, you just watch. And what did he do? He went right at him. He knocked him down a couple of times, totally dominated him, beat him up. And uh, eventually in round seven, Mark Breland, uh, the former Olympic gold medal winner, the former you know professional world champion, who'd been around forever, been with Deontay from day one, who loved him like a son. He threw the towel in. Uh, he did the right thing, and he got fired for his trouble. And uh, that set the stage eventually for the third fight, which was the classic fight of the year. But that second fight was as one-sided. You know, the first one was competitive. Third one was an awesome fight. Both guys were on the deck multiple times. But that second fight was Tyson Fury at his best, just beating the shit out of Wilder. He did. He did that night. And then the shutdown I'll never for all, well, I know, the, the, all the COVID craziness all happened about three weeks later. And that delayed and delayed and delayed these guys fighting an epic third fight. But the second fight anniversary, Wednesday of this week, February 22nd. This is why we love you with the nostalgia uh, and pulling this stuff out. All right. We got to get out of here one more time. We've got world title fight. Uh, IBF 140 pound world title fight showtime main event Matias and Ponce Saturday night Jake Paul Tommy Fury Sunday Dan Rayfield we're going to recap all of this coming off the weekend Sunday night into Monday whatever happens we're going to obviously make some predictions on our bet us live show on the bet us platforms one eastern time on Friday I'm anxious for the weekend we got a ton we got a ton to talk about this weekend uh, after it all happens I'm anxious to get back with you after all of that so again uh, for the fans, be with us on the Bet US show, 1 Eastern Time Friday, Fight Freaks Unite recap coming off the weekend. Other than that, my friend, let's enjoy the fights, right? That sounds good to me. I'm looking forward to it. All great stuff. Dan, thank you. Again, thank you for finding us on the Big Fight Weekend Preview. We always preview coming into the weekends, usually out by Friday morning, and then recap off the weekends, usually out by Monday morning. Follow, subscribe, wherever you get podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. For now, we're good. Write a review for me. And write a review as well. And and for now, we're good. Enjoy all the action from Minnesota to Saudi Arabia and back. And even Floyd Mayweather's exhibition, if you're partaking. I'm not sure if Rayfield is partaking. We'll find out. It's a cliffhanger. We'll find out on the recap if he partook in, uh, in Mayweather's exhibition in the U.K. over this weekend. For now, we're good on the Big Fight Weekend Preview.